What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to the Power Company Podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. At some point in this last week, we crossed the 2 million download mark. So first off, a huge thank you to all of you for, for having listened all of these years, for having shared it with your friends, for having written reviews for asking me great questions, um, for for being on the podcast. All of you who have been on here make this thing work. I love being able to help tell your stories. And this 2 million doesn't even count the Breaking Beta podcast. It doesn't count the We Scream Like Eagles patrons only podcast. Those are entirely separate things. If I counted those, we'd have hit 2 million quite a while ago. Um, this is just this first podcast that in those first few episodes I was saying, I don't know if I'm going to continue this thing or not. Well, here we are, two million downloads later. And as a way to say thanks to all of you, I want to do three things. Number one, today you're getting a bonus episode. Uh, This episode went out to our patrons on the We Scream Like Eagles podcast. They get at least two bonus episodes each month, usually board meetings. We also have our influence series on there where we talk about uh, the influence certain climbers have had on our progression as climbers. And Nate and I occasionally talk about our own climbing and where we're at in our journey. In 2021, the patrons got bonus board meetings like are your skills current when failure is not a good teacher and have we overvalued strength training so they're generally a little bit different than what we put on the podcast here they're bigger more philosophical questions harder to have concrete answers to but things that we all struggle with so nate and i love digging into tackling those those bigger questions and If that sounds like something you would be interested in, if this episode is something that you enjoy, you might like those board meetings over on the We Scream Like Eagles podcast. And you can get those for as little as $3 a month. The link is right there in your show notes. Number two, we are giving away three free self-guided proven plans. We have proven plans for every level of climber, so it doesn't matter if you're just starting out or if you're an expert, we've got a plan that fits where you are in your journey. We've looked at the patterns we've seen from climbers over many, many years and thousands of clients that we've worked with, and those patterns at specific levels became our proven plans. Those run through a mobile app, And you have access to a group chat inside the app uh, with some of the coaches and with everyone else who is doing a proven plan. 
those people have often gone through two or three and can really help you out when it comes to the questions that you might have. You also have the option to purchase coaching um, when you sign up for your proven plan. To enter to win one of those three, all you have to do is go to the page right there in your show notes, or you can just type in plugtoneaudio.com, go to the bottom of the page and sign up for the Plugtone Audio email list. There you'll get news about the new shows that we're developing. I've mentioned before on here that I've started uh, along with my friend Devin Dabney and um, our friend Emily Holland is working with us. Um, there's, a, there's a crew of us building podcasts, building shows, helping podcasters. Um, you'll get news about the new shows that we're developing at that email list. So go get signed up. We'll be drawing the three winners on Friday the 28th. So one week from today. And that brings us to number three. The third thing that I'm doing for you as a, a gift for getting us to 2 million episodes is I'm going to take a break. I've been at this a long time at this point and very consistently. This is episode 260-something, not to mention the 60-some episodes over at We Scream Like Eagles. And honestly, I think it's a good thing for you if I take a break. I still want to tell these stories. I still want to have these conversations. I want to give you information on how to progress as a climber, whether that means physically give you the ability to send your project, or that means socially find your community. I want to help with all of those things. And I want to get more focused. Honestly, the current state of climbing podcasts leaves me wanting a little bit. Um, there's more we could do with this medium. We could tell better stories. We could tell more concise stories. We could reach more people with our stories. And I've got a team around me that will help us get there. So for these few months that I'm going to be taking a break from the Power Company podcast, I am not taking a break from podcasting. In fact, I'm leaning in harder. I'm refining my skills. I've just bought new equipment. This will be the last episode of the Power Company podcast on the old equipment. Everything is going to get an upgrade. And when I come back, it's going to be with a new focus, with a slightly new format, um, and with some things that we haven't done on here before that I'm excited to try out. I also have several other podcast projects I'm working on. Um, of course, there's Breaking Beta. Paul and I will be working on season two. Um, I'm working on a new podcast uh, called Hip Hop Taught Me Everything with Devin Dabney, which we've got a couple of episodes ready to go. And it's not like anything I've ever heard anywhere on the internet so psyched for that. I've also got a couple of climbing-based uh, series that I'm really interested in making, and I want to give myself the best chance to make those well. So that's what I'm going to be doing 
while you're not hearing from me on this podcast. However, there will be content coming here um, with the Plug Tone Audio Network that I am a co-founder of. We are developing new podcasts. Just yesterday, if you're listening to this on the day it drops, the Average Climber podcast, episode number one dropped. They've got a great energy over there. They're giving you really actionable information. And they are a little silly, which honestly, I love because it's not me. So you'll be hearing from some of our shows on this channel. You also have the option of becoming a patron for three bucks a month, 36 bucks a year. And the patrons will continue to get their two episodes a month. Nate and I found a really great groove in 2021. I really enjoy those board meetings that we do over there for the patrons. So we're going to continue those regardless. So if you want new content, if you're addicted to those board meetings, this is the first year, 2021 was the first year that board meetings were in seven of the top 10 spots on our top 10 list for the year. So the board meetings are popular. If that's you and you want more, become a patron. Okay, I've talked enough. It's how I started this thing way back, 2015, I think, was rambling. So I'm not going to continue to ramble anymore here. You'll hear more from me in a few months. In the meantime, keep sharing the show with your friends. I appreciate it so much. Go sign up to be a patron if you're interested. Links are right there in your show notes. And Go sign up to win one of those proven plans. You're also going to be getting information about the best podcasts coming in the outdoor space, bar none, period. You've got my guarantees on that. Go do it. All right. Let's get into it. What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Rolay. Man, somebody is going to say you said that different. Uh, I believe it. <laughs> you said it with more pep in your voice. I had someone the other day tell me I sound so sad when I say my name. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, this is Nate Rolay. This is Nate Rolay. Well, half the time I'm also like caught off guard. Cause you're like, you're like, okay, you ready? I'm like, yep. All right, here we go. And it's like, roll right into it. There's never yeah. much of a pause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, I was like, I think I'm going to try and say it a little peppier this time, but clearly that's where it got me. <laughs> well, we got to start over now. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're sitting down to talk about um, some of the performance shortcuts. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, quicker ways to better performance that can also stunt your growth if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are a lot of them, but um, I've got a little list here. I don't know if you have any anything different on your list, uh, but yes. <laughs> maybe we just uh, go through each of ours and talk kind of quickly about each one just as food for thought. Yeah. 
you want to start or you want me to? Um, sure. You can go ahead and start. It's your, it was your topic. All right. Um, number one, I think, and this is something you and I have talked about um, that is super helpful, is always looking at beta videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's really easy to do now. Sites like Beta Cash, if you're Incredible. not familiar with, with Beta Cash, you should absolutely be using it. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but don't use it all the time. Uh, I think this is one of those, it can help your performance in the moment. Um, and it can be great for like, if you're trying to make the most of a short trip or if you just find yourself absolutely stumped by something, but ultimately that shortcut, I think will stunt your ability to think outside the box and find beta for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's going to lead to you being more and more stumped on things where there's not beta, beta videos, whether it's a you know, first ascent or just something obscure or, or in an area where nobody's videotaping themselves very often. Um, or if you don't fit the regular size, right? Exactly. There's only videos can't do that beta. Yeah. There's only videos of six foot tall bros doing it. Like, and you're not a six foot tall bro. You're going to have trouble if you don't know how to change things to yourself. Yeah. So I think that's, that's number one. It's definitely a good performance enhancer. Oh, yeah. Um, but we should definitely not be using it all the time. Agreed. Um, is there a good alternative to this that you like instead? I mean, I I like sharing beta with people. Like mm-hmm. If you're working on it with a partner, um, I'm not a big fan of like just spraying beta someone and, you yeah. know, hey, give me the answers or, hey, uh-huh. let me give you the answers. You know, I don't like that, but I do really like the sort of communal sharing of beta where you're both working on a puzzle that you're trying to figure out. Um, I think having a partner around at your level or roughly thereabouts is really great for that. And it can help you see how to think outside of your box. Yes. I completely agree. Um, that's what I was going to say as well. I think it is so valuable to spend time around other climbers. Like if you're in the gym, I try and have any of my clients who struggle with problem solving. The first thing I recommend is go to the gym and during the busy time and climb like Pick your projects based on where other people are. Because if you try something with four other climbers, chances are all four of them are going to be different sizes. They're going to have different Mm -hmm. skill sets. Some are going to be weaker. Some are going to be stronger. You're probably going to see four different methods. Yeah. And so cool. Yeah. And it's not even just, oh, I'll take this from this, this from that. You get to watch the problem solving from four different climbers. And like you get to have these conversations. There's so much that happens, so much interaction. You get, I mean, yeah, you get four times as much learning out of this by being able mm-hmm. to experience this and see everyone else's experience. Incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. And you get that without just basically being spoon fed the beta because chances are none of you know what the, the best beta is. Like you're all going to have to work through it. But this is just an accelerated version of that. Yeah. And and there is no one best beta for 99.9% of rock climbs out there. You know, different yeah. 
different styles, different sizes, different strengths, different weaknesses, different movement capabilities, different mobilities, you know, they're all going to influence what is the best movement solution for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's going to be different for the person next to you, even if they're the exact same height, weight, and have a similar style, their Mm -hmm. solution might be different. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's a good one. Um, I love using beta videos. Anytime I go outside um, and I'm trying to send something quickly, like I have the intention of, okay, I'm going to have multiple videos on my phone downloaded so I can go through. I'll try and get different angles. I'm going to look at what is the landing light? How many pads do I need to bring? You know, different height climbers, all these things. But I don't do that for everything. And I think it's important not to. Yep. I've also used beta videos after the fact. Mm. I've already done a boulder. Yeah. And then I go watch beta videos and I'm like, oh, let me see all the other solutions people have come up with, especially if it's in an area where I'm spending a lot of time. And then I'll go back. And if there's a a move that I saw somebody do that, I'm like, whoa, that looks cool. Yeah. I, I never thought of that. I'll go back and just try that move that way just to just to see it. I think beta videos are fantastic for that. Agreed. And that's uh same thing in the climbing gym. Like there are times where if I go and climb on something and maybe no one else is around, if I do it, if I'm just not sure, I'll go ask a setter. I'll go ask someone else who I know might've already climbed on it or done it. And I'll be like, Hey, how did you do this? Yep. And for the same reason, <clears throat> like I want to know, was I missing something? What other options are there? And then sometimes I'll go and I'll repeat those methods. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's cool. What's on your list? Uh, bolt to bolting every route for on your first try. Mm, yep. Um, That's man, a good one. It It is a great way to send things quickly because you get to make everything into your comfort zone kind of. You get to feel every hold, look at it, take your time. If you're trying to go out and just send something hard fast, amazing way to get up it. But I see so many people, not so many there is a small cluster of people who will realize this is a great tactic and then they dumb everything down. You know, maybe this is how they should go up a 13A for the first time, but now they're going up 12As the same way. Like, you know, right. if they could fall on it, they're going to bolt to bolt everything. They take anytime they're uncomfortable and they have to work out all the beta. Everything has to be perfect. And man, this really like, it gets you up things quickly, but at the same time, long run, it's really going to stunt your growth. You're not going to spend as much time being uncomfortable, which I mean, if you're a spore climber, you need to get really good at being uncomfortable. Like there's yeah, going to be a totally. lot of times you're going to get into terrain where you're too pumped to wait that really small foot or to be able to like do the big move you normally do. So you're going to have to manufacture some new method right here on the spot while you're really pumped. And if you can't keep calm, think, try and analyze the situation and work something out, you're going to fall. But that's like what a lot of hard red points come down to. Yeah, totally. This this goes back to your number one tactic for um, the, when we talked worst sport climbing tactics, Mm -hmm. um, which yours was, you know, 
people who don't engage with sport climbing in various different ways, trying on siting, you know, short-term projects, long-term projects, flashing, second try sins, all of those different variations should be in play. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was mine. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Um, there, there are absolutely times where, you know, at each level of your sport climbing that you're going to have to use some of the skills you've learned in all of the others, whether it's, you know, even on a, an onsite attempt, you're going to have to call up some of the skills you've learned in your long-term projecting, you know, absolutely. Um, trying various things to get through a section, for instance. Um, so really good one. Um, I'll, I'll play off of that one and go to only projecting at your top level. You know, I see, I see lots of people want to push their numbers up and, you know, that's part of why we're all playing this game. So going out and only climbing at your top level, I think is a a seeming shortcut to performance. Mm -hmm. It's going to look like you're pushing your top level up really efficiently. Um, but you're not building momentum. You're not building experience. You're, you're not, you're forgetting how to send quite often um, when you're only spending your time at that top level. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and this isn't even from a number chasing purity of the sport kind of thing. We're trying to chase numbers better is what we're doing here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 And we talked about this in, um, what was that? It was a Trevor Reagan inspired common sense versus common practice. Mm-hmm. We did a pyramids episode. Yep. And bunch we, of bunch of episodes. Yeah. Um, and pyramids were one of the series. Yeah. Yes. And we really did a deep dive on this kind of idea. So if that's something that you feel like applies to you, go check that one out. Um, I also thought that was just a fun series. Yeah. But, super fun. Uh, yeah. Like projecting your top level. We all do want to do it at some point, you know, okay, I just climbed my first. And should. Yeah. And well, you should, you should like, you should do hard prod, have hard projects. I think it's important at different times in climbing to really dive into that. Like I've had 20 day projects. I've had 30 day projects and they were important. But if that's all I ever did, I would be a, a much worse rock climber. Yeah. We talked a little about that in our episode on currency. Um, one of the patron only episodes, I believe, um, just about keeping your skills current. And if you're always only projecting at your top level, then the only skills that are staying current are the ones you're using right there on that project. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's a, uh, I know Adam Andres <clears throat> talked about it a bunch. Alex Mangos has a little bit, but projecting makes you weaker. Like you mm-hmm. will initially for the first few days, maybe get a little bit stronger. And then it's like, you're only getting fit for those moves, but then you're, because you're going to be more efficient with every single move, like the intensity of the movement is actually going down. So you are like, there's less of a stimulus. You're going to get weaker over time because there aren't enough unique stimulus in your climbing routine. Yeah. And yeah, like projecting will over time, make you weaker for that project. And it's why, you should climb on more than just one thing, even if you are projecting. Yep, totally. All right, what's next for you? Um, prioritizing physical training over climbing. 
Mm, that's a good one. I didn't have that one on my list. Ha. <clears throat> that's so, a really good one. And here's the thing. like, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to f- try to get stronger rather than better at certain periods of your climbing. Like you look at any other sport, they have off seasons. That's normal. Like, okay, we're going to throttle back on how much sport specific stuff you're doing. We're going to build up a big base of strength so that you're more robust so that when you go back to your sport, you can do it better. Perfect. Um, And that's not really what I see so much. And that's not so much of what I'm talking about here. More often it's people who they want to climb harder and they're like, well, harder means, you know, bigger moves between worse holds. So I need to get my pulling power, my finger strength up. But what ends up happening so often is that they get stronger and they have short-term gains, but like it kind of stunts long-term growth because they missed learning opportunities. Yeah. Um, you know, if I, man, if you give me a V4 climber and you're like, Hey, get them to V6 as fast as possible. I could do some technique work, but honestly, I could just like throw some weighted pull-ups and hangboarding at them for a couple months. They're going to be a terrible V6 climber, but they're going to be able to claw their way up probably one or two. Sure. However, that's going to stunt their growth in the long term because V6 isn't V4 with smaller holds and bigger moves. There are so many technical advancements that have to be made for every single grade you go through. Like, I mean, you can, there are pretty much hands-free V9s, just like very technical slabs. Moves aren't that big. Like hands are non-existent. Like there are technical skills that progress as you go along. And being able to grab small holds, incredibly important. Doing big moves, also very important. But if we just prioritize those, then it's harder to learn from those same things. Like if you suddenly have you know, let's say you get like V7 hand strength as a V4 skilled climber. It's hard to go back to those V4 technical challenges and still experience them in the same way because now you have these super overpowered tools, your hand strength and pulling strength, and you're not going to weight your feet. Like, or it's going to be harder to, because like, why would you, you can just pull through this thing. Right. It's harder. You certainly to find can good- if you're a really good intentional climber and you you know very specifically go back to try to learn those things but not an easy thing no no and so it's a you know i i'm all about strength training i love it uh and i think it's one of those things that should be more consistent rather than hey we're gonna stop everything and just get really strong like i think that's a better way to go like Yeah. yeah i want I think getting strong is good. It will help keep you more healthy. You get to climb harder things. Harder things tend to be more fun a lot of times. Um, but let's look at the big picture here. Let's you know take it slowly. We're not trying to rush to get really strong. Um, you know, it's the same thing. I wouldn't say, hey, abandon anything physical and only go climb slab for nine months to get technically really great. It's like no, okay, like that we could just as easily keep being strong and strength training and also climb slab. And why wouldn't we also climb overhang? Like, you know, taking this very niche approach just, uh, isn't it? Yep. And we, I think we talked a little about this in our, you know, have we overvalued strength training, mm-hmm. uh, patron episode, which, uh, 
some people got a little bit out of shape about like, you know, and they took it as have we valued strength training when we shouldn't have hmm. instead of have we overvalued it? Oh, you yeah. know, lots of people are like, well, strength training is valuable. And I'm like, I know. Yeah. We, that's why we do it. <laughs> but have we overvalued it? You know, is yeah. it more important than these other things? And, and I think you're exactly right. Um, and I'll, I'll slightly kind of shoot off of that to just training in place of performing, um, or in place of, you know, getting to go outside and rock climb. Um, I've definitely seen people who believe that given the option, do I go outside and climb on relatively easy, moderate things or do I stay inside and train? Um, and very often those people who are looking for the performance gains will stay inside and train. Um, and uh, oftentimes I see those same people go outside and their literacy, their currency on real rock is not up to where their physical gains are from being in the gym mm -hmm. and they don't have the time in their season to, to see those physical gains show up on the rock. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a, an easy mistake to make. For sure. Um, yeah, you know, I say, especially if you just don't have a long background of outdoor climbing and that's where you want to perform, you know, you got to get those reps in. Um, yep. So my next one is chasing, kind of chasing your strengths or specializing in a niche aspect of the sport. Mm, off um, with climbers. Off with climbers. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to... I know some of y'all might think I'm going to pick on moonboarders right now, but I'm not. Uh, I'm actually going to do the opposite. So I've been encountering more and more people who really love vert slab or slight overhang climbing. Mm -hmm. To them, this is the embodiment of technical climbing. You, yep. know, you can feel where your body is in the wall. Anything steeper, I mean, that's just, you know, brutish. Like we're not, we're not good technical climbers. If you're climbing in a roof, that's just physical tugging around. Um, and I get it. It's fun. Like I like more technical feeling climbing, climbing that's a lower angle because you can like have, you have the time, you can be patient, you can feel out positions. Um, and, and it's, it's easier cool. to take good photos of for the Instagram. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> and it's physically less demanding. But the problem is it it's the people who go towards that, like it is pretty niche in the sense that you're not going to get more powerful and it's not going to make you better at steep climbing. And like, honestly, you got to get better at steep climbing at some point. Um, and not all the skills like immediately have carryover. You know, I was, uh, I had a coaching session just the other day and I was working with a guy on this move and he was like, I'm trying to figure out how to do this, uh, like really powerful Gaston move. And this is on an overhang and we talked through it and I asked him, I was like, well, what if you approached it as a balance move as a technical move? Cause he loves like vert climbing. I was like, what if you approached it as a technical move instead of a power move? He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, I was like, can you find balance? 
And so he pulled on and we kind of like played with a couple different things. And I talked about like, kind of talked him through like one of my favorite cues for finding balance is pretend like you're finding a clipping stance. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to move your left hand, can you get in a position to where if you were to take your left hand hand off, like, you know, to clip or whatever, your whole body doesn't move. And so he kind of played around, find this position. And then I was like, okay, cool. You found the position, pull back on, get back in that position and do the move from there. And he did, his body didn't sway at all. And it went from being this really powerful, like, you know, Gaston to Gaston, heinous move, feet cutting to, he just did it. And he hopped off and he was like, oh, he's like, that was like, he's like, that was like a vert move. I was like, yeah, like these skills can go, can transfer up and they can transfer down. And if you only ever spend time on vert, like you're going to miss out on that. Like he, you know, just didn't have literacy for steeper climbing. And he thought it was, oh, this is just power climbing. And that said, he also is terrible at power climbing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we've, we've talked about this a lot, you know, and, and I have it in almost every description of a, a drill in our, in our training app, you know, climb on different angles, different styles, different grip types, you know, explore all the ranges that you can instead of getting stuck into that one niche. Um, it's, it's tempting, right? It's really, really attractive to be like, oh, well, I'm a V7 face climber, even though you're a V3 climber in every other aspect, you know? Yeah. So you want to keep chasing that. Um, and it's a quick way to look like you're performing better. Yeah. Um, but in reality, when you look at performance as a, as a whole thing, as opposed to just face climbing performance, your, your performance looks much, much worse. Yeah. And we'll stay that way. Yes. And even if you want to climb hard faces in the future, you will learn skills from other types of climbing. Also, sometimes there's roofs before the faces. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I've coached a handful of people out in Smith or people who like travel to Smith. And there's a classic 12C called the quickening. Great kind of face climb, but there's this little, I don't know, V3 roof boulder stumps every Smith climber in that range because it's like powering on jugs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and there's a lot of a lot of research into movement variability that can, you know, that says just practicing the movements within, you know, your performance will ultimately stunt your growth as opposed to practicing movements outside of your performance that are related. Mm -hmm. Um, just gives you a wider latitude with which to explore solutions. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes sense. Climbing on steep stuff may very well help your face climbing. Yeah. Um, you know, and to go back, like, I think this can be a good tactic if you are, if you're already a well-rounded climber and you're like, hey, in a month, I'm going to go try and send this face climbing project or this roof climbing project, this compression project, whatever, man, focus on that. Like, Absolutely. Get that, specific. Yeah, get specific. But this is just not all, this isn't a long-term solution. Yeah. If you're a client of mine and you want to get specific training for your face climbing project, and then 
you do that one and you, then you want to get specific climbing for your training for your face climbing project and then you do it again and again and again <laughs> and again, I'm going to go, hey, let's let's find a steeper project, you know, yeah. or or maybe we've spent enough time getting specific for your face climbing. You can keep trying those face climbing projects, but let's spend some time in the gym on steeper stuff or slopey stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yep. Um, you started going down this path and, and then backed away from it. I'm going to go down it. Um, board climbing only, I think is a, mm. a mistake. I've been thinking about this a lot lately and it came up in the, the community forum today. Um, we were talking about the constraints led approach to coaching and ecological dynamics and, um, board climbing it's it's very popular it seems like oh this is the way forward you know all these strong climbers are climbing on the boards it's the way to get better faster mm -hmm. it's a shortcut to performing better but every board within its own ecosystem is basically a closed system you don't get any other inputs you don't get any other stimulus so if you if you're only climbing on the kilter board for instance the holds are all pretty similar. Um, so that's how you're going to grab holds and that's how you're going to get good at grabbing holds. And same for the moon board, you know, same for the tension board. There are things that the tension board does really well, but it, it doesn't do super wide variety. Well, you know, we want big slopers. We want compression moves on, you know, tiny crimps as well as big sloping holds. We, you know, we want all of this variety. We want different angles. And a lot of gyms have fixed angle boards. A lot of people at home have fixed angle boards. Yeah. Um, so even, even spray walls, you know, they're, I think they're better than boards in terms of this, most of them. Um, but they have their limitations too. So you should be getting on other angles, other grip types, other styles, um, and exploring instead of just climbing on moves that someone else has set for you on the same set of holds that you climbed on last week. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree. You know, I think, I think boards can be great. Um, I think they're really great in supplementing with outdoor climbing because outdoor mm -hmm. climbing is an incredible amount of variety. And yep. you see, I think a lot of the people who do very well, as far as performing outside while using boards to climb, they have a massive library of movement from climbing outdoors. Exactly. Um, so I think, you know, I think the balance can be there. Like, you know, do they need to go climb comp style boulders indoors? Eh, you know, as long as they're getting a great movement variety outdoors. Awesome. Yep. But yeah, it's, you should definitely look into what you're doing, if you predominantly climb indoors most of the year, you know, if nothing else, like make up your own moves, like try some other things, like go warm up out in the gym before you climb on the board, just add something yep. a little different. Yeah. If you can, if you're a person who spends most of your time in a gym because you're not near climbing or you've got, you know, obligations to work, family, whatever that keeps you in the gym most of the time. Schedule in some performance days at different gyms. Yeah. Oh um, man, that's a ton of fun. Different setters, different angles, different holds. Um, I think that's a, a really valuable way to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, all right. My next one is waiting to be in shape before you challenge yourself. Mm. That's a good one. And one I hear all the fucking time. Oh man. It, yeah, it, there's like all the others, there's a lot of value in this aspect, but it can really become this permanent cycle of, I'm just trying to get back in shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I don't. And and to be honest, I fully believe that I'm going to be in better shape always, (laughs) always, even in my top shape. I'm like, I could still get better. I, I too am delusional. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I always, man, my top shape's always right around the corner and I'm always yeah. working to get there, but I can't use that as an excuse to not try. Exactly. Um, and you know what? There are times where this is valid. Like if you, you know, if you came off, let's say you, I don't know, broke your leg, couldn't climb. And let's say you just didn't have it in you to hangboard. Sure. You Okay. You just took a couple months off. Yeah. Take some time, ease back in. Don't like go to zero to a hundred. That's a great time. Build back up, build your capacity back up, get your tendons and everything used to load again. Perfect. But at a certain point, you know, it's really easy to get stuck in this mindset of, well, you know, I've had stuff going on and not really fully in shape. So I'm just gonna, you know, this is my get back in shape session, or you'll see these people out at the crag and they're just repeating stuff they've already done because they're getting back in shape. You're like, yo, you've been getting back in shape for four years now. Yeah. Like what, what shape are we getting back to? Exactly. And you never, you know, if you're always waiting to try the thing, you never really know what the thing is. Um, So many people wait and wait because they think they're not ready. And then they, go try the thing and they're like, oh, this is a whole different thing than I thought it was. Yes. That's a great point. I've been prepared for this for three years (laughs) and had no idea. Yeah. You know, Um, I'll also say a time when, you know, maybe waiting is smart is I had never really encountered this until uh, last year I went through a big phase of working on vegetable boulders, you know, lots of tall, scary things, lots of super crimpy things. And, and I was getting a ton out of it, but I hadn't realized how much my, like my currency on my style and just my currency on, you know, boulders that should have been moderates for me had dropped. Um, so, so when I went back to try things, I was like, oh my God, this feels so hard, you know? And it, and because I'd spent so much time failing on vegetable boulders for the Mm -hmm. last many months, I was just getting down like, (laughs) oh no, you know, it's all downhill from here, you know, not even going to make it to 50. Yeah. And, and that was a good time for me to step back and say, all right. I'm going to train a little, then I'm going back out. I'm going to rebuild my pyramid, mm-hmm. get current, you know. Um, but definitely if I did that twice in a row, I would check myself. You're like, no, what what the fuck? Why are you letting it drop this far? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. One other thing as far as so this idea of waiting to be in shape before you challenge yourself. And you just kind of said this. 
as far as going and rebuilding your pyramid. Challenging yourself doesn't have to be the top grade you've ever hit in your life or the next grade above it. Yeah. You know, if you, let's say you have climbed V8, V9 in the past, you've now, you've had kids, a lot of stressful work, maybe other stressful things. Hey, it's okay if you need to go project like some V5s, V6s, build back up. Like, yeah, it's, you don't need to wait until you are fit enough to be back where you were. Find a challenge, find something that's going to push you. Man, challenges are motivating. Like having something, nothing gets me more excited than when I have a project I'm like, oh, I need to like buckle down for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amazing. that's the best. Yeah. Yeah. When you're like, you're like, oh, I need to get to bed a little early. Like, cause mm-hmm. I want to be well rested. I'm training tomorrow and I, I've already got my food. I already know what I'm going to eat at like yeah. for breakfast and lunch so that I'm going to be really well fueled for this. Like I'm going to crush this training cause this weekend, and then I'm going to recover well. Cause this weekend I'm going to go out and go try that thing again. Yeah. What a... What a way to experience weeks. I love it. Like, yeah, totally. I will, uh, I will spin off of this one slightly. I'm liking this tactic. Just let you go first and then I can spin off of (laughs) yours. Doing a good job of it. It's made my list much bigger. (laughs) Um, conditions waiting for the conditions. Um, you know, when I, when I was at the point in the red and I've talked about this before on the podcast where, uh, it was like, I'm not going to go climbing in the summer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to train. I'm not going to go climbing when it's bitter cold or when it looks like it's raining, you know, and I can't climb the thing I want to climb. I'm going to train because I've climbed all the things below that level that I can. Yeah. You know? And I spent many summers climbing and many bitter cold winters climbing and many rainy days climbing. Um, you know, I've done all of the 512s. So do I need to go do more? Probably not. I'm probably better served by training. Um, but I would see newer climbers who had done three five twelves and wanted to do a, their first five thirteen stay inside on those days. And I'm like, man, you are going to get way better if you go out on all those bad condition days, which there are 360 of those <laughs> a year in the red Facts. as opposed to you know, five days, four days of, of good weather. Yeah. Um, don't wait for those days, go out and get experience on those, those bad condition days. And that's going to go so much further for so many people than staying in the gym and training. Yeah. Like there, I mean, the red's a great example. There are so many people who climb their hardest grade, like their new hardest grade in the middle of the summer. Yeah. I mean, Drew Max sent his first 514 like in July or August. Right. Like, And that's that's normal out there because people, you know, it's people who are just like, okay, I'm excited. I want to rock climb. And they're getting the pitches in. Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. You know, and I think there's a point to where that can shift. You know, it's funny. I think maybe it was Lee Smith who uh, posted a screenshot of Red River climbing like the top, you know, 10 people with the most ascents ever. And I saw your name on there and you had something like a thousand ascents in the red. And I haven't been there in almost a decade now. Yeah. And so I think it's a good example. I was just like, oh, well, one, that's absurd. Um, (laughs) Jimmy Jimmy Hochter just messaged me yesterday to say, well, it took 10 years of you being gone for me to pass (laughs) you, but I did. (laughs) Yeah. Like for you, 
it is completely fine that you don't climb there in the summer or when it's gross in the winter. You literally have done a thousand routes there. Mm -hmm. Like, but that said, when the season would come around, you would still ramp back up. You would have your like lower level anti-style preseason projects. Like just because you had done a thousand routes didn't mean you could jump straight to 514. Like you still built back up every season. So you still respected that. Yeah. And when it was the season, when it was time to go, we, we almost never waited for conditions. You know, you, you go, that's, this is the time we scheduled in the year that we're doing the damn things and we're going to go out and do the damn things. Yeah. I'm not going to wait for it to be, you know, 50 degrees instead of 54. Uh, Totally. So, all right, what's next? Um, so this one kind of bounces a little bit off the last one I had, but only doing hyper-specialized training for your currently pr- current project. Mm. And what this is, is, okay, I've got a, you know, I've got a project that has a big right-hand dead point to, a, to an edge. So this is people who like are going to the campus board and they're jumping up and just latching right-hand only on this edge. And maybe it's got a hard undercling. So they're going over and they're doing bicep curls. And this is the only training they're doing. Right. And maybe they're setting simulators. Everything only goes for this one project. Yep. Now, I'm totally fine with doing these kinds of things. Well, first off, if you're going to do dead points, do it for both sides. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually totally. know someone who did that. Like, mm. And can now one arm hang a really small edge on his right hand, left hand, can't even hold like almost a full pad edge. Like yeah. two pad edge is the only thing you can hang with the left and maybe like 10 mil on the right. It's like, well, what, what were we doing here? <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. You know, in the final moments r- when you're really sharpening things down, like honing yourself to do this climb. But what I will see is I'll see people who bounce project to project and this is how they train for each one. They're like, okay, well, I just tried this new thing. It is exactly. A 35 move sport climb. Everything I do now is 35 move circuits. It is underclings. I'm only training underclings and doing a lot of bicep curls and they don't do any, anything outside of that. So they're not doing, you know, if it's a sport climber for the 35 move route, they're not doing these punchy little three and five move boulders. They're also not doing base endurance. They're not doing strength like regular, you know, just punch the clock strength training. Um, like you need, you need just a foundation of kind of fundamental training. And then you can have that extra little, like, you know, 10, 15% on on top, that cherry on top where you can really zero into a project in the late stages. Yep. I think this works well with the, like, you know, the, the approach of doing different ascent lengths, you know, second tier, third tier onsites, flashes, all of that stuff. Um, engaging with climbing in that manner and, you know, going in and out of your comfort zone. Um, because if you're doing that, then you don't need to set simulators and be super specific about everything you're climbing on. Um, and when you're only climbing at your top limit, whatever that means, whether it's a style limit or, a you know, overall grade limit or whatever, then it's more tempting to, to move into this hyper specific training. And, um, 
it's a it's a recipe for injury number one yep you know you're you're gonna end up with an overuse injury we hear about it happening all the time um, when you're doing one move over and over and over one exercise over and over and over and over and over um, and you're just not gonna become as good a climber that way or as strong frankly like, yeah you might put up a bigger number yeah like but, the people I know who do this like the irony is that they're actually like pretty weak. Like yeah. they are only training the very niche things, man. If they could like hook up a little electronic device to stimulate the exact muscle in their form they need to grab the hold, they would do it. Right. Like rather than yeah, just. And then they're, when they're done with that project, they're looking for the next left hand dead point that they can do. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So these yeah. people are that I tend to see like, they tend to have more injuries because they're not doing well-rounded strength training. Um, and they tend to be really weak because they are only training like, you know, these rate limiting things just as much as they need to send. It's like, okay, this left-handed dead point and, uh, you know, a right legged, you know, I need a hip drive for my right leg. So I'll do some single leg RDLs. I mean, even that, let's be honest, climbers aren't training lower body. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like everything's <clears throat> so specific that they end up being really weak because they just don't train how they should. They don't yeah. train like an athlete. Totally. Totally. All right. Um, I got two more. Okay. That was my last one, but uh, I'll, I'll use your right. tactic and bounce off one. Awesome. Um, this is actually sort of a spinoff of my very first one, which is um, always using video analysis in your climbing. Um, mm. So I think some youth coaches I've seen are guilty of this, always having the iPad out and videoing every single attempt. And then immediately let's, let's look at the video. Let's see what we can spot, you yeah. know? And I think this is a really valuable thing to do now and then I think it's a really bad idea to do it all the time. Hmm. Hang on, somebody. Hello. Not much. Right in the middle of recording. Oh, okay. I'll catch you later. Okay. I'll hit you up. Sounds good. Sorry. That was Zach. No um, Yeah, I think it's a really bad idea uh, to do it all the time. We not only are we not building up the awareness in our own bodies and our own climbing to be able to, you know, on our own say, oh, this felt that way. Let me explore changing it in this way. Um, but there's also a, quite a bit of research saying that immediate feedback after a movement um, can help immediate performance. Mm-hmm. But it's short, but it stops the learning. Um, Interesting. You know, there have been a lot of groups where they take a, a group who is getting immediate feedback versus a group who doesn't get the feedback until after the fact or until the next day. Um, and the, the group who gets the feedback later retains the information better, whereas the group who gets the immediate feedback performs better in the moment. So, you know, if, if you're working on a project with some people, might be a great idea. If you're in practice and trying to learn, um, might not be as good an idea. Especially with comp kids because when they're in the comp, in the moment, you can't 
talk through it with them. You can't look at the video with them, you know, so helping them learn and retain that ability to change their movements the way they need to. I think that's better than just let's perform better right now. Let's, you know, let's look at the feedback and then make the change immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, I like that one. Um, you know, I, once again, with all these, like, I think video is great, super useful. And I do think it should be a staple um, with people's training and performance, mm-hmm. but it, I agree. It shouldn't be every go of everything you do. You should be, you know, videoing and watching it. Um, because yeah, a lot of times you're just not going to have video and you need to, you need to know what you actually feel like. Right. But I, I will say this. I do think if you've never videoed, do it now. For sure. And go do drills video. Try projects video. Try doing things that feel casual in their repeats Mm -hmm. because that will start to connect the dots between how you feel and how you look. Yep. And for a lot of people, that's a very important gap to close. And I think once you start to close that gap, that's when video can be a little bit more distant apart from each other and it can be useful. But so many people, I mean, it's almost like hearing their own voice. They're like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't sound like that. You know, like the second that they watch a video of them climbing, they're like, oh, I, I didn't know I looked like that. That's me doing one leg drills. That's me projecting. Or they could be like, oh man, I was so pumped for this route. And you see video, they look calm, cool, and collected the whole time. And like, oh, yep. if that was, if I look like that, but in my mind, I'm really pumped. What if I, what if I can try harder? Yep. Totally. Oh. Uh, so yeah, super valuable, super valuable. Um, it's something I think shouldn't be overused, especially for coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, cause also it's just another thing and it can be a distraction. Like you're taking your athlete away from their own climbing and how they're feeling. And you're making them look at like this, you know, other thing. Yep. Um, and that can kind of take them out of the experience sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that's what the research says. It, you know, they're, they stop the learning process and just go right into immediate feedback, immediate change, perform mode. Yeah. So, uh, you got one to spin off of that or oh, are we going I, to my last one? I had one, but I lost it. Um, so we can go to your last one. I'll see if I can come back up with it. All right. This is, this is the one for me that sparked this whole topic. Um, and that's these kind of hyper specific warm-ups off the wall. Um, like using flashboards to warm up, doing post-activation potentiation type things to warm up. I think those types of warm-ups are great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all for them. But what I started seeing, for instance, um, I saw this at Craft in Vegas while I was there. I bet I saw 15 people warming up on a flashboard and then getting right on their projects and climbing like shit. <laughs> um, honestly, you know, up until the last like five, six years, I could watch somebody on a, on a boulder problem or on a route and tell you roughly what their top level was, you mm-hmm. know, how, how good is that climber? Now it's like, I see somebody on a, a V seven and almost doing it. And I would have guessed they were a V three climber. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that's what's happening here. They're they're avoiding the the warm-ups, the lower level stuff, the moderates, um, and going straight to the projects. And there's so much to gain from doing the V3s, V4s, V5s, V6s before you get on the V7 or the V8 project. Mm-hmm. And obviously there are times, you know, when you actually need to save skin, um, when you when you're time stretched and you know, you know this is the only thing I want to climb here, sure, go for it. But if you're doing it all the time and and you're doing it partly because you're afraid of the moderates, because the V4 takes you as long as the V8, then maybe you should be climbing the V4 instead. Yeah. Or, you know, climb the V4, then try the V8. And if you're tired, who cares? Come back. Yeah. Or, yeah, you know. Exactly. Um, I think this is a great one. Like I love off the wall warmups. I think they're, Me too. I think they're important. Uh, I think it's a huge step in the right direction for climbing as a sport. Uh, you know, one of the things that limits people more than anything in climbing is injury. And it's been proven thorough warmups help reduce injury. Um, yep. like warming up well and strength training, you do those two things, you're going to drop your injury risk dramatically. Yep. Um, so I'm a fan, but I agree with what you're saying. Uh, I think this is maybe a trickle down effect from what we see pros do. Exactly. You yeah. Know, we, we want the better performance too. So we just mimic what they're doing. Totally. Uh, what's important to keep in mind is these pros tend to have already done everything in the boulder field or right. like they go over and man, there's times you'll see, all right, uh, this climber wants to do V15. They warm up, they do a V10 as part of their warm up. They do, then they do a V12 afterwards. Now they're trying the V15. Like they're, you know, they're not doing a V0, doing some pull-ups on a flashboard and getting on it. Right. Like they're doing other things when they have them accessible. Like it even may- if they're getting straight onto the V15, they're very often getting on the V8, V10 part of the V15 first. Yes. Um, you know, they're warming up there, but they have this giant background of movements and boulders and climbs and that they can fall back on, you know, they've, they've done a massive amount of climbing and they understand it and they understand what getting warm feels like uh, and being ready to try really hard feels like. Whereas this person over here warming up on the flashboard has done two V3s, a V4, but now they're projecting the V7. Yeah. You know, and and I'm talking all time, you know. (laughs) Yeah. You're going to, you're going to get far more out of climbing the easier boulders. You're going to become a better climber faster by climbing the easier boulders than you will just by warming up on your flashboard or whatever and then getting on the project boulder. So I think it's a super valuable tool. I use mine, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I've also done a fuck ton of warming up on easier boulders, making up eliminates on easier boulders, climbing just the easier part of my project boulder, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's an easy trap to fall into, you know, I off, I'll often hear people say, well, I don't want to warm up too much because I'll just be tired for my project. Yeah. And my response is if doing, I don't know, like seven or eight climbs before you hop on your project makes you tired, 
you're out of shape. Yeah, like and you, it's not warming up anymore. If you're getting tired, it's not warming up anymore. You've gone beyond that. You're doing something different. Yeah. You need to understand and respect your level. Yeah, and maybe up that level is kind of what I'm saying. At. Yeah, like, over time, up that level. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I've I've come to the bunch of people who will – they just don't want to warm up. So they're like, well, you know, I won't have enough energy for the day. It's like, okay, you've been saying this for like five years. You'll do mm -hmm. literally three climbs to warm up. Yeah, maybe now they'll do something like pull on a flashboard. And then they're only strong in their project for like 45 minutes because they don't have this capacity. And you know, yeah, how you I get hear that actually in the proven plan group chat pretty often. People are like, well, by the time I get to projecting, I'm too tired. And I'm like, hey, if the 10 warm up boulders you had to do <laughs> made you tired, then good. You know, over time, they won't anymore. Yeah. So keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you, it, totally. Um, yeah. If a thorough warm up makes you exhausted, and it's not even thorough, just like if a warm up makes you exhausted, you know, uh, yeah, that's step one then. Make yeah. it to where you can actually climb for two hours consistently. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I like that one. All right. All right. Anything else from you? I got my last one. All right. What is um, it? Doing things that aren't fun to you just because you think that you're supposed to. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, like, like following all of the advice and... Saying, oh, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do this. I'm That's supposed to make train. Better. I'm supposed to I'm supposed to go do comp boulders. I'm supposed to use tactics. None of this is yep. fun. Um, yep. Like, man, uh, yeah, having fun is important, especially I will say earlier on in your climbing career. Like there's a point to where um, maybe it's you're going to have to have some more type two fun. Like I really liked your interview with Carrie Scott where – Mm -hmm. She said she was talking with Will and Will was like, who told you that climbing was supposed to be fun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that's such a Will England statement if I've ever heard one. <laughs> but having fun's important. Um, there's, you know, there was a, it wasn't research done, but there was a look at a bunch of top level pianists and I think maybe hundreds of them, but there was one thing that they all had in common. So all of them had, let's say, like I think four to six music teachers at some point throughout their career to get them to the level they're, they're, that they're at right now. But they all had one thing in common, and that was that their very first music teacher cultivated a love of music in them. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. Like that is so important, and I think that's why that's why so many of so many of us get sucked into climbing and get pulled in and just. Yeah, we stick with it. It's because we love it. Um, so yeah, like if you know, if you don't enjoy some of these things, like to a, to a degree that it makes you not look forward to climbing, don't do them. Like you can yep. get good a ton of different ways. Um, you know, I think there are some good fundamental methods you can take to get better. But if some of these just don't sound good to you, like don't do them. You know, or yeah. find a way to make them more fun. Exactly. Yeah. Because if you're not enjoying it, you're not going to show back up. Um, yeah. And you're not, you're probably not going to get better anyways. Like you can be on the best hangboard protocol. You can go be building the most perfect pyramid. But if you, all you want to do is go project, go do that right now. Yeah, totally. And if, you know, if, if you 
lean into this thing that you think this is going to make me better. It's not going to be fun for me, but I'm going to go do it anyway because I know that it's, I'm going to improve. And then you're halfway through doing what you plan to do and you're still like, this is drudgery and I hate it and I don't want to do this anymore. You don't have to finish the thing you set out to do. You know, you can always back away. You can always go do something else. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Totally. Unless you're one of my clients. Then everything is wrong. (laughs) You're fired. Um, (laughs) And if you know you're going to, like some things aren't fun. Like I don't love, I hate hangboard repeaters. Honestly, like there's there's some training I just don't enjoy. I don't do them. I I I don't do them because I hate them that much. Yeah. And that's just it. I'm like, I'll just, (laughs) I'll do like boulder doubles or something where I'm just climbing for 60 seconds. Um, And so that's kind of what I actually do. But if I was to do something like repeaters or anything I just don't like, put an end date on it. Like mm-hmm. you can do almost anything with an end date on it. Um, yeah, that's, I can't recommend that enough. Don't, instead of being like, oh, well, I'm going to just do this this year and, you know, see how it goes. Just be like, hey, I'm going to do this for my next 10 sessions. Like after you do one, you're yeah. like, oh, I only have nine left. Cool. Like before you know it, you're halfway through. And it's just downhill from there. Like, yeah. and look, look, like you said, look for the fun in it. Yeah. While you're doing it, you know, if you can find a reason to, to have fun, then great. You know, then, then you probably will improve from it. I have a ton of so. fun complaining about repeaters. I find <laughs> other people who also hate them and we just talk about how awful they are. Ton of fun. Yeah. I mean, for me, <laughs> for me, like, You've all heard me talk about the full crimp journey I've been on. Um, But for me, it didn't really become a fun thing until I, until I realized that there's new movement, Hmm. new positions that are attached to it. It isn't just, oh, I need to grab holds in a full crimp. I'm like, fuck that. I can grab holds in a half crimp all but (laughs) two, you know, two ever on earth. So... (laughs) So I don't need to do it. Um, but once I realize there's this whole new world of positions that come along with it that I can learn, mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, maybe this is going to be fun and and more useful than I thought. Yeah. You know? So it took a long time. I knew I didn't want a full crimp. And so I didn't fucking do it. I didn't practice it for, I mean, 20 years. So it wasn't until that one thing that it clicked and and it and I'm glad it did. And I'm also glad I didn't go down the road earlier. Yeah. So no, I think that's a yeah. I think that's a great way to go. I mean, for me, like with strength training, I really hated barbell movements. I don't know why. I think it's because deadlifts and squats are both really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but then I found kettlebells. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I actually have a lot of fun with this. And I'm doing the work consistently. Like it's easy. I was like when I first found them, it, I had just moved back into my van so I could just keep three bells with me. I had big my big uh, like organic blubber, which is the perfect size for doing Turkish get-ups on. Like this is great. I can just like sneak it in whenever I want. Strength train like two, three times a week. I can drive out to a park, go out somewhere where it's like sunny and nice and I get to be outside instead of like having to go inside of a gym to go work out. Yep. So for me, that was awesome. And now I do use barbells and I use other implements, but 
you know, I kind of had to open the door with something a little more enjoyable. Yep, totally. Cool. I that's a lot of them. That's a that's a big list of don't fucking do this except for do it sometimes. <laughs> do it sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> but not always. Just don't get trapped in it. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you guys have not, join us over at the community forum, community.powercompanyclimbing.com. And uh, join these conversations over there. I'm I'm loving having people I can, you know, bounce ideas around with and not getting caught in the in the Facebook scroll. So yeah. So hope to see you over there. And uh, until then, join us on the Instagrams, the Facebooks. Um, though I'm not, I don't really post on the Facebook at all anymore. Just to remind forum. people to go to the community page. <laughs> I, I only have Facebook because I have to have it in order to sell things on Instagram. Hmm. That's pretty much it. So um, maybe I'll take that out of the the end of these podcasts entirely. Fuck the Facebooks. That's, <laughs> that's my new that's my new <laughs> phrase at the end. Fuck the Facebooks. Um, you guys know where to find us. Um, but like my dude Nolly Simon says, We don't tweet, we scream like eagles. This time, 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 this time